0: Hey guys, welcome back to Esthetician on the Edge, the podcast. How was everyone's summer? If you were like me, you probably contemplated senior nights at the strip club. I don't know if they let my old ass on the pole, but I was willing to try it. June and July were... clusterfuck they were the worst that is probably the slowest that i have been in a spa since like 2009 it was really bad but it is august people will hopefully remember that they have skin on their faces and uh, they'll be back in your rooms and we'll be making some money again yeah at least once they get the kiddos clothed and back in school And I am going to apologize ahead of time if you guys hear any background noise or any kind of weirdness with the microphone. I'm recording in a different place. Um, I'm actually at my house. And we live in a townhome. And for some reason, I I, I don't know why, because we usually can't, but I can hear the neighbors. It sounds like they're running. I don't know what they're running from, but they have run from it all fucking day. So please excuse any background noises that you might hear or sound quality. I'll try to do better next time. I promise. (laughs) All right. In this week's episode, I'm doing nothing but those listener topics that you guys requested a month or so ago. So if you don't like the segments, you are the ones to blame. All right. Let's get into it. In the first segment, I got this one a lot. A lot, a lot. How to deal with estheticians who give out bad advice and incorrect information. And everyone who, well, everyone who sent in this topic request with the exception of one person, they were talking more about misinformation in Facebook groups with other estheticians Uh, and things like they see in the comment section of Instagram or TikTok, things like that. The only person who sent me something different, they were talking about a a co-worker and i'm talking to you my lone person you need to go to the manager for that one if you have any concerns about a co-worker giving out wrong information and you've heard her do it go to your manager seriously even the greenest esthetician knows that you should not exfoliate every day so she might need a little bit of retraining go to your manager now to everyone else, first and foremost, do you know for 100% fact that the esthetician in question is giving incorrect information? You you got to know your stuff before you can call bullshit on someone else's stuff or you're going to end up looking like a dick. I, I will say from the screenshots that you guys shared, the information was it was really wrong. It was definitely wrong. So wh- what do you do? Sadly, you're going to hate it, but there's nothing that you can do. I mean, you can, of course, go right underneath their comment and you can refute everything that they've said. Post your own experience with the subject. But I have found through the years that people listen to what they want to hear, what they want to be true. So if one esthetician tells them there is no difference between shaving your face at home and going to get a professional dermaplane, they'll believe it. Even if you pop up under there and say, hold up, hold up, huge difference here, huge. And then you go to the trouble of listing all the reasons that there is a difference. Guess what's going to happen? Nothing. (laughs) You're not going to sway anyone's opinion. People listen to the opinion of whoever is validating their own opinion on the subject. I run across misinformation constantly. Every day. Every day. Bugs the shit out of me. But I've gotten to the point, I don't have the energy or the willpower. I don't even try anymore. One of the big ones that I have been seeing, uh... It's probably been, I've been seeing this now for probably a year. Well, I can't, I really noticed it for like maybe the last year, but it's, but it's a company that offers uh, a stamping device, like a, you know, you have heard of microneedling. They offer a microchanneling stamping instrument. And I don't think that I have been on a single esthetician board on Facebook where they have not been spreading incorrect information and kind of fear mongering just a little bit and it's working it is totally working they've got people who have been in the industry for years questioning the safety of traditional micro annealing pens pens like i don't know skin pen You know, the first FDA-approved medical pen. Uh, It's been in use for years, y'all. For years and years. There's science behind it. There's papers behind it. It is backed with data. It's legit. It really works. It does what it says. It's not dangerous. I promise it is not a dangerous pen. And I know that the, uh, the company, the one I'm talking about, or at least extensions of that company are doing it because their verbiage on the boards and in the comments, it's always the same. Someone will post about a question. It'll be like a general question about microneedling or how to get the best results for wrinkles. And without fail... In the comment section is the same damn spiel of technical jargon about stamping, not causing, scratching, and tearing, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And then this is always followed up by a, if you like more information, I'll DM you. (laughs) And then under that comment, almost immediately, there's like three other people going, hey, DM me too, girl, DM me, send me the information. It is guerrilla marketing at its finest. It's smart, it's free, and it's sneaky as fuck. I respect that, but it is still a bunch of bullshit. They might sell a legitimately great product. Good for them. But I will tell you here now, microneedling, and trust me, I have done a shit ton of microneedling through the years. I have never once, not once, hear me now, and y'all know I'd tell you if I'd fucked up. I have not once torn someone's skin with the harsh jagged needles as I dragged it across the poor soul skin. Come on now. You guys know that sounds ridiculous. When done correctly and using an approved device, microneedling is one of the best anti-aging treatments outside of a laser treatment. No way back when I first, like, I I try to see off those boards. I think I've told you guys this before, but I go on. I can't help it. It's like a car wreck. I can't look away. But when I first started noticing a pattern about micronealing comments, I did actually comment under a few of them with some facts and figures and statistics. No emotion, none at all. Like, there was nothing with me getting all huffy or salty. It was just straight up facts and figures. No one gave a shit. (laughs) Like they did not care. People are more moved by anecdotal evidence. I don't know. There's some kind of morbid fascination. You want to hear that your sister's cousin's friend's niece's hairdresser had her skin fucked up from microneedling. Like people will believe that. Although they have no clue who these people are or who their sister's niece's hairdresser is, they'll believe that over factual data. You can correct all of the misinformation that you see out there to appease your inner Esty, but you are fighting a losing battle, my dear friend. And you, you gotta believe me as someone who likes to spread science-based skincare information to all of my fellow pros and clients, trust me, You are not going to convert people to your way of thinking. To this day, estheticians refuse to acknowledge that medical-grade skincare is marketing and it's not a thing, unless it's a prescription. And then, of course, it is a thing. It does not matter that I've quoted industry-leading scientific journals that i've quoted government studies scores of cosmetic chemists the people who make the products they do not care if you call something medical grade it gives it a cachet that other products don't have, and therefore it makes for an easier sale at a higher price point. Good old clean and clear with its 2% salicylic acid is more medical than one of the biggest medical grade brands, SkinCeuticals CE Ferulic. One of them contains an actual drug that has to be approved by the FDA. The other... It's got some vitamin C and some acid and some allience in it, and it smells like bacon. But no one cares about that. <laughs> because it's in a pretty bottle, it costs a lot of money, and it's sold in doctor's offices. Therefore, it is medical. It's frustrating. I, f- I feel your frustration. I really do. Um, it is very disheartening to know that you have the information, that you're trying to do good with the information, and no one wants to listen. It- it's frustrating. And I just have to say, welcome to my world, dear friends. Welcome, welcome. <sighs> yeah, the internet sucks sometimes, not gonna lie. Okay, on to the next segment. Estheticians using multi-level marketing products in their treatment rooms. And a lot of you all wanted to know how I feel about it. Well, you probably I'm pretty sure you know how I feel about it. I like, what, why? <laughs> are you doing this? This one I do have a problem with simply because, I mean, come on, you all know how I feel about MLMs. They are predatory business models. They prey on the poor, on women, and on people of color. The average wage of a consultant, now this this is from Rodan and Fields, the average wage of a consultant, as defined by Rodan and Fields, that 73% of their workforce, makes $462 a year. That breaks down to $38.50 a month or $9.62 a week. How much do you think their smallest non-personal use, like stuff that you wouldn't use on yourself, how much do you think their smallest buy-in retail kit costs to purchase? Remember, they make $462 a year. It costs $695 to purchase a starter kit with Rodan and Fields. So if you do the math there, 73% of people don't even break even when they make that initial investment. I mean, people legitimately have boxes upon boxes of this stuff sitting in their garages, gathering dust and expiring, but they can't afford to feed their family three times a day because they were suckered in by this grandiose lifestyle that was promised to them from an MLM representative. So yeah, I hate MLMs. Hate them. And I know you guys want me to scream about the quality, but at the core of it. I, Rodan and Fields isn't really any different than, uh, let's say, Control Corrective or Derma E or even Neutrogena. Wh- whatever middle-of-the-road brand you can think of, they're really truly, they're not any worse than that. It's just a fucking skincare brand. N- now, with that being said, I don't understand Absolutely don't understand why any licensed professional would use an MLM product in their treatment room. It it has to be the only thing you can think of. Like one reason, like literally the only reason I can think of is so that they can hit their numbers and level up in within the MLM. Uh, That's that's the only way I can justify. Like, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. It has to be right. I mean, do they have? I don't, I don't know about the inner workings of Rudanfield, So you all tell me, do, do they have professional peels? Do they, do they have enzymes? Uh, Do they they sell bag part sizes? Do they have like a mask, special mask that only estheticians can use? Like, I don't think they do. I, I mean, I don't know. I Or is it just the shit that they sell retail that you are supposed to use in your back bar? I I mean, I, that doesn't sound great to me that, I don't know. I feel like you could go to Walmart and get your stuff and work in a room and it'd be the same thing. Where's the, I don't, I don't know, Where, where's the pizzazz? Where's the results? You're supposed to be giving people in a treatment room. In the area that I'm in, most of the people who use Rodan and Fields, their number one complaint is aging. Uh, those types of clients those are the ones that need all the things that you don't have with a Rodan and Fields back bar they need the peels they need the enzymes they need strong stuff they need the lasers are like do you get protocols like if you say hey, I'm an esthetician Rodan and Fields do they give you protocols I, I don't see how you're getting results in your room by just using a, a gritty exfoliator I it doesn't make sense not at all. So I don't understand the appeal. I guess I'm trying to see the allure of using something that's the equivalent of what you can walk into Target and get or Walmart and get or CVS and get or why you would want to use something that can be sold by your neighbor down the street whose real job is aligning a dog's chakras. I I don't know. Maybe you love the product that much. I, it just does not make I can, I literally cannot wrap my mind around it. Can not wrap my mind around it. It's weird. But no, I don't approve at all. It's shit. I don't think you should use an MLM in your treatment room. Um they are a predatory business. Don't use MLMs in your room. I know you don't give a shit what I think if you are an MLM person. And that's all I got to say about that. right, let me look and see. Okay. Next one. I got this one quite a few times too. How to deal with bosses that go crazy when you put in your two week notice. My first thought, my initial thought was like, wait, wait a minute. They let y'all finish out two weeks? Where are they doing that at? Not here. I had, I I had been with a spa, the last one that I quit from, I had been with my spa for years and years. And when I told the boss I was quitting, y'all, that bitch looked me straight in the eye and said, okay, you can leave now. <laughs> Do you need any boxes for your stuff? Do you need any help getting your stuff to the car? <laughs> When I walked out the back door, like I went and gathered all my stuff. I waited to the end of the day because I wanted to finish with my clients. So I thought I was being nice. And when I walked out the back door, this trick, she didn't even look up from her computer. She gave me the old uh, toodaloo hand over the top of her monitor. That was cold. That was cold. And that's how it is in most places. Spas and salons are so, they're horrified, terrified of the thought of you taking their clients from them. So what's going to happen when you give your notice for most of you is they're going to say, see ya, you're done, bye, get your shit and get. It doesn't matter if you've been there a month, a year or 15 years. That is the way that they are going to treat you. And it is kind of an old fashioned way to look at it. And it's kind of a ridiculous way to look at it. I get while they're doing it. If you're an owner and you're listening, I'm sure you hate me, but I get why you're doing it. I do. I I totally understand. But, but it's still ridiculous for today's world. I like your stylists and your massage therapists and your estheticians and your nail techs. They don't need your client book. They don't need access to your client book. They have social media. That's all they need. That's all they need to get to your clients. All I have to do is post on my social media that I'm moving spots and the clients who enjoy me and like my services, they're going to follow me. I don't need to reach out to them. I don't need to like see them one-on-one and be like, hey, I'm leaving. Don't tell anybody. All I have to do is shoot them a fucking DM. That's it. They are my friends on Facebook. They follow me on Instagram. They're going to notice when I stop coming in and they're going to ask why. And again, something else to think about. If I've given you two weeks notice, I've been thinking about quitting for a hot minute and I can tell you that I've already made sure to tell all of my clients in the previous month that I want to take with me that I'm quitting. That damage, it's already done. So making me leave the day that I try to give two weeks notice and be professional, it's kind of like closing the barn door after the horses have all already gotten out. But if that's not your problem, and your boss, like, you gave your two weeks, and your boss was like, grrr, and then started being a dick, that's a different thing. And I'm assuming by being a dick, you're saying that they're threatening you, uh, maybe saying things like, don't you tell your clients, or we'll sue, don't forget you're signed to non-compete, blah, blah, blah. I didn't get the backstories to these people, so I'm going to assume that that is the problem that they're dealing with. So the most important thing that I can tell you is, do you know your rights? That's the most important thing. Know your rights as an employee. What can your employer legally do to you? Did you sign a non-compete? Most non-competes are not enforceable because it impedes your ability to use a skill to make a livable wage. And lots of states will side with you, the employee. Some states don't even uphold non-competes, so... It's a useless piece of paper. And even if you are in a state where non-competes are enforceable, they are usually, there are limitations. It's not like they can just put anything in a fucking non-compete and that's life. That's how it goes. There are limitations. I do know someone who I used to, I went to school with her actually, but she signed a non-compete that would restrict her from practicing within a 20 mile radius of where she was at the time. And in no way, shape, or form Would that have been upheld in court? A 20-mile radius, it encompasses the only two major metro areas that she could possibly work in as an esthetician. She wouldn't have a job. Another SD, I don't know, but I got, they sent me a message about this. Um, But she reached out from another state. She had signed a non-compete as a teacher, and I had to sign one of those two. but her non-compete stated that she could not work for a year within a 100-mile radius. Now, what? (laughs) She would have had to have driven like 200 miles to work because there weren't any schools nearby. It was a very small area, according to her. Uh, But there was another school located two miles away, which was where she was going. And this, they did take her to court, and this did not hold up in court. So know your rights. If nothing else, Google it. Google that shit. It will pull right up what the statutes are for your state. A lot of times you can also call a lawyer and they will tell you really quick what the laws are. Um, Or if they don't want to tell you for free, you can make a consultation appointment. usually costs a couple hundred bucks. But if you're looking at a lawsuit and not being able to work for months on end, it's a lot cheaper just to go ahead and get that information up front now if it's none of that stuff and it's not like them saying you signed a non compete you can't steal my clients and it's just them being assholes and being uh, aggressive or abusive or confrontational leave I mean as you leave I want you to knock all this shit over but fucking leave also side note if it's breakable don't knock it over they'll take it out of your last paycheck <laughs> and it's none of your damn business how I know that okay Mm -hmm. But yeah, walk out, quit, don't take abuse from an employer. Uh, You can just take a little break before you start your new job or if you absolutely have to have the income, you've got options. Grab some gig work, you know, deliver groceries, deliver food until your job starts back up. But don't you dare put up with abusive bullshit. So hopefully that helped how to deal with a cranky boss. Um, I did have some people asking how to deal with how to deal with just a cranky boss, and I think I covered that on another episode. I will check back and see. I'm pretty sure I did cover that topic in depth, but I'll look back through my notes and see. If not, I'll cover it on another episode. Sorry that I did not get to your cranky boss topic. Okay, on to the next topic, and I have been meaning to cover this topic for a while, but I've not been doing the podcast regularly, so I keep forgetting about it. Probiotics in skincare. Quite a few lines jumped head first into this trend? Does it work? Is it hype? Well, before we get to that, let's look at what it actually is. Probiotics are a combination of live beneficial bacteria and or yeast that naturally live in your body. In your gut, they keep your pooper pooping at a healthy poop capacity. They're fabulous little things. And we can all think good old, what is her name? She was super cute back in the 70s and 80s. Jamie Lee. Jamie Lee Curtis. That's her. For bringing probiotics mainstream with her lovely yogurt commercials. Before that, the only people who knew anything about probiotics were like crunchy granola people. The rest of us didn't have a clue. And the reason it was marketed, you all should know this because my audience is made up of mainly women. I think I have a few men that listen. Hey, guys. Uh, But the reason that it was marketed mainly to women is because we are more prone to having digestive issues as we get older. That's right. It gets worse. (laughs) women are twice as likely as men to develop gallstones and five times more likely to develop irritable bowel syndrome never ignore your guts ladies literally or figuratively but i do love probiotics and foods so please eat your yogurts uh eat your sauerkrauts eat your pickles drink your kombuchas get those healthy good bacteria swirling in your guts all right and to say- And to bring it back, I know I went off on a tangent yet again. I constantly do. Apologies. So to bring it back, probiotics are a live strain of healthy bacteria that encourages the growth of more healthy living bacteria. Now, our products that we use every day in skincare, they all come with a preservative system. Now, the system is designed, its whole purpose, its function in life is to eradicate and kill live bacteria cultures (laughs) I think you know where I'm going with this I think you already know if it didn't do that if this preservative system wasn't in place when we opened up our bottles they would be moldy they would smell and maybe kill you because they had so much bacteria in it so for a product to be a true probiotic having type of substance it must contain live cultures For me, that means the whole probiotic approach, it's a gimmick. I'm, I mean, by definition, it's a gimmick. I'm sure you guys have heard of the line. It's a natural line called Mother Dirt. I just came across it like a year ago, I think. Uh, Pandemic, I was looking at stuff. But there's a line called Mother Dirt. And the line claims to restore the skin's microbiome, activating the transformative power of probiotics to repair the imbalance caused by traditional skincare. Now, I looked at a few of the products ingredients list, and I want to talk about two of them. Now, remember, they all claim, every single product claims to contain probiotics and Remember what probiotics are. So Mother Dirt Probiotic Foaming Cleanser. And on the label, it says it contains a probiotic, and I say that in quotes, of lactobacillus ferment. Now, lactobacillus ferment, it is a lab-created, non-living ingredient. Therefore, for me, it doesn't qualify as a true probiotic. By definition alone, if you go by the whole it has to be living bacteria, meaning. Now, I'm not saying that it does not have benefits. I'm not saying that this ingredient is not fabulous. I'm saying it's non-living, therefore it cannot create other living organisms. And therefore, it's really not a probiotic, which is what the general public is thinking when they hear the word. They're thinking of the damn yogurt lady. Now, there's another product, however, that Mother Dirt makes, and it's their best-selling, most-known product, according to their website, and it is called AO Plus Restorative Spray, which contains something that was created by MIT scientists called AOB. And that stands for ammonia oxidizing bacteria. And it is a live strain. Therefore, by definition, it could be a true probiotic. In a study of 24 people that was conducted by, well, it was conducted by the scientist who made and marketed the ingredient, <laughs> there, there was some skin improvement seen in the control group that were given the spray that actually had the ingredient in it in comparison to the placebo group that was just given like some water. So that's cool. But that was a very small study. And how do we know that it wasn't just the fact that these people were actually doing something for their skin for the first time? That made a difference. To me, the study left too many unknowns. Now let's look at science, like real true science, not produced by companies that are selling the product. Now I looked at a paper and the paper was so interesting that I'm going to put it in the show notes and you you guys can just follow that link. So give it a read. It was published in February of 2021. So it's very up to date, no out of date information. And it states this. Too many products fail to comply with the characteristics required to be called probiotic. Many false claims and rampant misuse of the term has resulted in mainstream consumer channels providing incorrect information to consumers. For a product to be considered probiotic, it must comply with three core characteristics. The strain must be characterized including genetically and phenotypically and a rationale given based on documented experiments published in peer-reviewed papers for their inclusion for the intended use. Number 2, the product must contain sufficient live microorganisms at the time of use that are equivalent to when the product was shown in clinical studies to confer a benefit to the desired target. Number 3, the delivery method, dosage and duration of use should be based on scientific evidence in humans if humans are intended are the intended recipient. Due to safety concerns, cosmetic products are expected to have a low content of microorganisms. It is not a viable option for them to contain live bacteria, meaning that there cannot be a cosmetic that is a true probiotic. They are using filtered extracts, ferments, and lysed bacteria which are not alive. So yeah, science says no, and I am not a believer. But who knows, one day they might figure it out and it can become a regular proven ingredient. But for me, it's a no. Now, I'm not telling you not to buy the products. I'm saying don't buy them just because. It says probiotic. There is evidence to support that some of the ferments and the lysed compounds, they do calm inflammation. So you might get a nice calming product. Just know that by definition, it's probably, according to science, it is not a true probiotic product. All right, moving on to the next segment. I know I've talked about this one before, but I also know that I have a ton of new followers and listeners who are fresh from school. So we're gonna do it one more time. To go solo or not when you are fresh, green from school. (sighs) There is no right or wrong answer. It all depends on your situation. As a longtime professional and an educator in the industry, it's... Okay, so this is my opinion. You should not, should not immediately graduate, get your license, and rent a room at your local Sola or JC or Phoenix or in the back room of someone's shop. You should not go solo as soon as you leave school. There is always exceptions to every rule. And that might be you who is screaming at me now for telling people this. If you are that person who... I don't know who's been working out of your house illegally for years and years and you finally got caught and you had to go get your license, go for it. You've got it. You can do this. If you're someone who built up a loyal following of at least 50 clients while you're in school, you've completely grasped every concept you need to, go for it. You have got this. If you've amassed like a super high loyal crowd on TikTok or Instagram and people go to you for advice and they all happen to be local to you, go for it. You have got this. For the rest of you, do not go for it. You do not got this. I know, I know, I know that I am a killjoy and I know some of y'all are screaming, I did it, bitch, they can do it too. No, they can't. That is not true. Your drive, your ambition, your commitment, and your circumstances could be totally different than theirs. If it were up to me, it would be mandatory for every single newly licensed esthetician to do at least six months as an employee in a spa or a salon. You learn so much. I'm telling you, you do. If nothing else, you learn what not to do, what not to take into your own space, but I swear there is value working for someone before you go solo. You get to work with product lines that you might not have access to as a solo. You get to work with machines you might not be able to afford for yourself. Hell, you might weed out machines that you thought you wanted to work with when you see that they're a piece of shit. Working for someone else will give you insight into pro- like, what promos work, uh, what cancellation policies do or don't work, how to how to price things, um, how to work retail, how to speak with clients, what inventory should look like. You could create connections with product reps that you normally wouldn't. Hell, if nothing else, you're going to miss out on the freebies and the reduced services. Like, I was one of my favorite parts of working at the spa. I got free haircuts and free hair colors and I got free massage services and I got reduced Botox prices. Like, it's a great perk. Go take advantage of that. I understand and I get why you want to go solo. I get that you want to make all the money. So do I. So does everybody. But there is so much more to consider because all the money still isn't all your money. You've got overhead like crazy. You got to pay your taxes and please don't cheat on your taxes. One day you are going to want to purchase a car or a house or a $30,000 machine for your room. Maybe you want to send your kiddos to school. And if you've been cheating taxes for fucking years, you're not going to have a reliable income stream to do that with. Claim your money. I mean, but... Okay, so yes, sure. If you work for yourself, you don't have to work with any dickheads. You don't have to put up with any shit. But the pressure is all on you. You... I mean... It's a lot. It's a whole lot. And it's still fresh for me. So trust me, it's a lot. And I've been in the industry for a long time. There's lots of money. Like before you even get started, there's tons of money up front. Do you have that cash on hand? Or will you need to take out a small loan to make all the purchases? Even bare bones. Bare, no, this is bare bones. I went cheap, like super cheap. I used a lot of stuff like decor-wise that I had laying around. But even going like I said, bare bones, buying the, the bare minimum of retail back bar, like equipment. I was really frugal with equipment. Um, my friend actually let me borrow a table, which, hey girl, I still need to get that back to you. I forgot I had it. <laughs> I honestly forgot that that was your table. Um, call me. I'm I'm pretty sure, like even with me really, really watching my budget, it took me, I, I'm trying to think, this is probably not gonna be the right number, but it was at least, at least four grand to get started. And the, the four grand was just, that was before I ever even opened my doors. I had not even opened my doors, I'm already four grand in the hole. And yes, I know that that it can be counted as an expense towards your taxes, but still, that was a big hit to the pocket, dropping that money without any income actually coming in. And that's not the end of it. Like you can, you have to continue to order supplies and they're expensive. You have to advertise. Um, If you want to upgrade your machines, those are always expensive. Rent, rent is ridiculous. You have to have insurance, your business license renewal, your license renewal. If you do an LLC, you have to pay for your LLC every year. CEUs, taxes, so many taxes, Trust me, when you're paying for your own products, you will not throw anything away. You're cutting that bitch open and you're scooping stuff out. But even with all of that, I think the most important factor of going solo are clients. Do you have those? Because you need a lot of those to make a living. I was blessed with a nice number of clients that followed me to my space that I have now, but it has been extremely difficult drumming up more. My market, y'all, it is so heavily saturated at the moment that it is painful to witness. To show you how popular aesthetics has become, our area schools, they added on extra aesthetics programs, added on more teachers. Like, they now teach double the amount of aesthetic programs as they do cosmetology programs. Yeah, because it is such a popular field right now. And let me tell you, if someone tells you that market saturation is not a thing, they've got something to sell you. It is a thing. It's happening in lots of areas right now, especially hot spots in the country where people are moving. In my area, within just a five and a half mile radius, there are approximately, are you ready? 31 salon and spas that offer skincare and waxing services. Four of those happen to be suite buildings. And in each of those buildings are about 30 units. So that's 30 people in one building doing all the things. So it is very competitive out there to get clients. And please, for the love of all that's holy, don't shove that kumbaya shit down my throat and tell me it is not a competition. It is a competition. It might not be like mean girl competition, it might not be mean-spirited. We might not be like slashing each other's tires to get clients, but it is a competition. We all want to make money, we all want to be successful, and we do that by competing, either with lower prices or with what we can offer our clients. You can't feasibly run a business and not be in competition with a person who's doing the same damn thing. It's the reason that we see all the posts on boards asking, what do y'all charge for this? Or what do y'all charge for that? They want to price competitively to what you're seeing success in charging. They want to be able to either charge as much as you, or undercut you just a little bit and the price undercuttings mentioned that i did a little uh, stalking and snooping for this segment and i did a little walk through around my building and looked to see what was what the prices were like everybody's undercutting everybody <laughs> basically is what I is what I found um but you can it's the gamut of prices like if I offer a $79 Brazilian the girl down the hall offers 65 the one next to her offers 50 another lady does like like $35 Brazilians every Monday it's competitive as fuck trust me in the year that I've been chugging along and y'all have to remember I have tons 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 of experience doing this And granted, it was in a pandemic, so whatever. But I've not picked up a lot of new clients. And that's awful, in case you're wondering. I would be in a world of hurt if I didn't already have clients when I started my own space. Now, I have not... Actively been seeking out clients per se. Uh, One, because I'm not outgoing. I'm not, I hate talking to strangers, especially client type strangers. It's my idea of hell, if I'm being honest. And two, my grand plan to network with the stylist around me kind of didn't work out quite like I thought it would they have already hooked up with one of the other 10 estheticians in my building that were there before me or maybe I yelled at them because they were being loud and I could hear them doing a facial but whichever it didn't work out now my one-year anniversary just passed and my new goal has been to seek out some new clients so we'll see how that goes I can tell you at this point it's not going well because I haven't seeked out anyone (laughs) I'm going to try. I'm going to try. But those are things you have to think about. Can you build a clientele? Are you outgoing enough to seek them out? Or do you have such a strong social media presence that clients will be seeking you out? Do you have a plan to get people through your doors? That's what I'm asking. Now, I do know there are programs that promise to make you a six-figure esthetician or to at least increase your monthly income by like double or triple. You could possibly... Check out those before you decide to go solo, see what they have to offer. Now I'm not this is not me. Um, what do you call it? I'm not shilling for them. I'm not like telling you to get these programs. I have zero personal experience with any of them. Never done them, don't know who does them, but I know they're there because they pull up on my Instagram all the time. I have heard from a from a few people who reached out, kind of pissed about it. They said that the consultancy fee for a very particular program, to me, it was astronomical. Like, you better come in and help me roll towels every fucking morning if you're going to charge me that much. But um, it can get pricey. So, you know, do your due diligence, do your homework, check out reviews, make sure you can budget it. But I mean, it might be worth it before you jump in with both feet to go solo. I don't know. I mean has anyone ever tried any of these are there any like a uh, six-figure estheticians out there that made it that way from using one of these programs are there any 6,000 heirs out there <laughs> are you raking in the cash let a girl know let me know your secrets if you're out there uh, but seriously maybe you can check into this I just don't like the thought of a green esthetician just jumping right in the deep end go get some experience before you do any of that Trust me, you are going to get so much value out of that time. Oh, oh, I can't, I can't leave this topic without making one final point. Another statistic that I want you to think about. Anywhere from 80 to 90% of licensed beauty professionals will leave their profession before their first license renewal. Now that for most people, that's two years. That should tell you just how hard the industry is to make it in. Now add that, add to that the pressure of you doing all the things by yourself as a new baby esthetician. It is very, very hard. Please think before you jump in to a solo career, I'm gonna say no. Your, your SD mama, your SD priest, So stop, think about it, get some experience, then go out on your own. Okay, I think we have two more topics. This is going to be a long one, but I haven't talked to you guys in a while. So I had a lot of things to talk about. Okay, let's see. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah, oxygen facials. Now, I did a segment on oxygen facials a long time ago. It's probably been almost two years now. And you might already know oxygen. Well, it did not come out the winner in my last discussion. (laughs) Not at all, but I feel like maybe I was a little harsh. Maybe I was a little balls to the wall with it. A little unforgiving. So I'm going to talk about oxygen facials without a single opinion thrown in. I bet you think I can't do it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to let the research speak and I'm going to shut the hell up. Now, the person who sent this wanted me to specifically cover oxygen It's an oxygen dome facial. Have you guys seen this? It's cool to look at. It's very space-agey looking. Um, But your client is just chilling in this little plastic dome for most of the service. But its claims are it plumps, hydrates, calms, purifies, and it is an anti-aging treatment. Now, this is according to the machine's literature. And it is expensive. It is around $4,000 and Basically, that little dome is like a mock hyperbaric chamber. The machine works by sucking in air from the immediate environment. It separates out the nitrogen and then it pumps 90% oxygen through the dome to be absorbed by your skin. So basically, it is forcing oxygen into your skin. And it's usually about a 60-minute treatment. Now, the science of oxygen in your skin and the manufacturer's science They don't necessarily agree with one another. It seems that oxygen scientists have taken the raw data on wound healing and topical oxygen, and they've used that data for their numbers and made it fit their machine's Skincare narrative, if that makes sense. According to peer reviewed science, they do not see the results of oxygen being any different than the result of a nice exfoliation and hydrating facial. So take that as you will. That is what science says about the dome facial. Now, while I was looking at the dome facial, I tripped over another machine that I had not heard of. And it was called the, excuse me if I blunder this pronunciation, the Oxygeno. I couldn't find it pronounced anywhere, but I think it's called Oxygeno. Again, I'm not giving you opinions. I'm giving you facts and figures, but this is another oxygen machine for you to look at if you're interested. Now, looking through all the information, I was kind of hyped about it. I will give you that, that, that much from me, that much personal opinion. So if you make this machine and you want to throw me one, I'll catch it. I swear. <laughs> All right. The claims. Let's look at the claims. It plumps, hydrates, brightens, improves texture, improves long-term microcirculation, and it utilizes oxygen in a completely different way. And it's kind of complicated. So bear with me. Okay. Are you ready? So, this is what the company's website says. Oxygeno harnesses the natural processes of the body to oxygenate the skin from within with the Bohr effect. During the Bohr effect, the body sends O2-rich blood to the skin to replace the CO2. This results in optimal skin oxygenation and increased cellular activity. Say huh? <laughs> what? Well, let me let me make this a little bit easier to understand. Here is how it works. There's there's gels that are used during this process. So the gels that are used during the procedure, they interact with the tip of the handpiece that comes with the machine. Now, the gel and the tip create carbon dioxide bubbles. And this causes oxygen-rich blood to actually physically come to the surface of your skin. So the machine is drawing oxygen to the surface from inside your body instead of pushing it and forcing it into your skin like traditional oxygen facials. And in case you're wondering if they made up the Bohr's effect, they did not. It's a thing. It's been around forever. And a quick description of what the Bohr's effect is, it is simply creating CO2, that's what the Boris effect is doing. And that CO2 causes localized tissue vasodilation. So in other words, the CO2 gets the blood flowing like crazy. This in turn will increase the amount of oxygen that is available to your skin. When that happens, your tissues are flooded, like absolutely flooded with all of this lovely oxygen. That in turn means that you're going to get better product absorption and penetration. You're going to get less irritation and lots and lots of good increased circulation. How does this treatment look in the room? There are three parts to the treatment. You get a gentle exfoliation, then you get the infusion of antioxidants and nutrients, and finally, the end you get the oxygenation portion. Now, I watched a few videos. It seemed simple enough, but... Again, like with most machines that we find in our treatment rooms, I am sure that it's very expensive to buy the tips and the gels and the exfoliants and the infusions for the machines. Um, it seemed like a really expensive expenditure to me. I mean, it might be great, but it did seem like it was really pricey. So there you go. Two very different ways to deliver an oxygen facial. Which one did you think would be more effective? Let me know. I'd love to hear it. All right, guys, we're going to wind this down. Our last segment, we're going to talk about clients, of course. We're going to end with some clients. It seems that if the pandemic pushed a lot of us into being a solo SD, it also made our clients think that it was kind of okay to be late or to no call or just not show up or maybe try to reschedule 15 minutes before their scheduled appointment. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about handling late clients or no-show clients. It's a hella hot-button topic lately. I see it everywhere. It seems to have turned into an epidemic in our world. If the amount of complaining and post and people just being pissy in general about it, it's happening to everyone. Now I've listened to other podcasts on this topic. And it comes up a lot because it is a problem within our industry. It's just gotten worse since the pandemic. And I can tell you, 100% of the time, the advice that these podcasts give is to fire the client. And I like the advice. You like it, right? We all want the clients to go if they can't follow simple rules. But, but, y'all, y'all hate to hear that coming, don't you? You hate to hear the buts. Hear me out though, all of the podcasts that I've heard this advice from, well, they're all well established, they're all popular, they're booked out months in advance, they are money-making spas or money-making solo SC machines, so it's no big deal for them to tell a client to go fuck themselves, they've got a wait list, they'll fill that spot, it's not a problem. And trust me, I am all for firing clients if they act out or if they cost money, but you gotta stop and ask yourself, am I as a solo SD in a place at this point in time where I can afford to alienate or lose a paying client? Only you know the answer to that. If you are all about the firing, then you got to get all your ducks in a row. I suggest that you have a policy in place for late no-show, late cancellation clients. And it should be posted in your space. You should have it up. It should be in a highlight reel in your on your Instagram page. It should run in regular rotation as an Instagram story, just kind of a reminder. It should be signed when they fill out paperwork in person. And then you should verbally reiterate your policy before you even begin their service. The policy clearly needs to state what you are going to put up with and what you're not going to put up with. It can be something like, I don't know, if if you don't cancel or reschedule within 48 hours of your appointment, then the card that you have on file will be charged a percentage of your service total. And I know some of y'all charge the entire service amount and I also know that there's some debate on whether that's actually legal or not, and I don't know. I don't know if it is or if it isn't. I see I see way too many things online to know. I see it both ways. The best thing to do is check with a lawyer in your state if you are unsure of that policy practice. You could probably even call your local bank, like whatever who whoever you bank with, and ask them if it is legal. For you to charge a client 100% for a service they did not in fact receive. Now, even with a policy in place, there is no guarantee that you'll get to collect on that fee. Lots of people will put a, they'll put an appointment on hold with like a shitty credit card. Or they'll go ahead and um, put a warning on their bank account that any charges from you shouldn't be processed. And even if they hold with a good card and it goes through, a lot of people will dispute the charge with the bank. And I'm going to tell you, nine times out of 10, the bank is going to side with their customer. The most important thing about a policy is standing firm within that policy. You can't wiggle back and forth. You can't constantly give in if somebody breaks it. You have to enforce it. If you're constantly letting people get over, your policy is useless. You might There's no sense in you even having it. Now you could give every client, I don't, maybe like give them a warning before you charge them. I know that that works for a lot of people. Just make sure that you put it in the policy. I have a friend who does, um, she doesn't do a high fee. She does like, I'm trying to think. Okay, they have 24 hours. So if they don't reschedule or cancel within 24 hours, then they are charged 25% of their service total. But after they've abused her policy three times, so it's like kind of like a three strikes you're out, then she puts them on probation and they cannot book through her website or her square site or whatever she's using. Can't book through text messages. They have to physically come into her establishment and try to get appointment then. Now that works for her because she's in a building that allows her to utilize a receptionist. And I imagine it would be a little harder to do that specific thing if you're in charge of like everything, like if you do everything from front to back end. Now on the flip side of all that, some of you will still continue to see clients no matter how many times they are late or they don't show up. And if that's what you need to do, do it. Don't let someone guilt you in, into running your business how they think you should run it. Only you know what you need to do. And if it's, <laughs> I don't know. To me, if I mean, if it's between losing a client who drops 450 a month and letting her come in 15 minutes late, I'd probably take the money. Now, I have a client. Y'all are oh, y'all are gonna yell at me after this. <laughs> but I have a client. I've been seeing her with... We've been dating for five years now, and she's never been on time once. I'm not kidding. There's no exaggeration in this. It was the biggest joke when I was at the spa that I took her from. Um, we knew she was going to be late. Absolutely 100% knew it. She was never on time. And sadly, she lived not far away from the spa. Now, she lives further She lives further away now that I'm solo, which I expected it to be worse. But she's still 20 minutes late for every single appointment she has ever had with me every appointment. Now at the spa that I took her from, they built in a 15 minute bumper onto her appointment so that I could still take her because we knew she was, she's chronically late. So I just did the same thing as a solo. I built in a 15 minute bumper. It's like I told you guys, she, she's, she's there. She's consistent. In all things, even her her lateness and her appointments, she always drops four fifty on her service. Never, never less than four fifty. She also probably spends four hundred dollars every single month just on odds and ends, products, little things that I sell. So if I added all of the stuff up, she's a thousand dollars of my monthly profit I can't just kick that out the door I have to make that work I've been making it work so it's my fault I have totally enabled her but I'm just not willing to let a thousand dollars go over 20 minutes now that's just me I know you all are probably screaming fire that bitch but I can't right now I need that thousand dollars more than I need to not have a built-in bumper for this client now is that the best approach I can take No, absolutely not. It's stupid. But... It's what's working for me right now. It's enabling me to make a living wage. And at this moment in time, that is my biggest concern. So the only advice I can offer you is do what you need to do from a mental and financial standpoint. There is no right or wrong answer. I'm not going to tell you to fire them. I'm not going to tell you to keep them. I'm going to tell you to look at your books and decide what decision is smart for your business. It's all well and good to say, begin as you mean to continue. But sometimes you got to have a bit more flexibility than that And i'm sure y'all didn't want to hear me playing both sides of the fence But our industry it's not as cut and dry as everyone seems to think it is And I want you to be successful in your business and not put up with anyone's shit But I also want you to be able to afford to pay your bills and continue in the industry and also put food in your belly Yeah, so that's kind of important. So as far as cancellation policies, the most important thing is to have one that's clear, concise, make sure they sign it. You can send them electronic forms. You can have paper forms and then go over it verbally and just enforce the policy. There's no sense in having one if you're not going to stand by it. And I think that is the biggest problem. No one wants to be confrontational. No one wants to stand by their policy. So there it is easiest way to do it and a lot of you all were asking me for verbiage on how to handle um like what kind of verbiage you should use when you're confronting a late client and i can't tell you that like i can't give you a script for that because i don't know your clients i know it would work well for my clients but i don't know what would work well for the clients that you're seeing what can trigger yours probably wouldn't trigger mine and vice versa so i can't script out something that you can say because the minute i do when you say it, everything's going to be skewed and sideways because emotion is going to play a part in how you react to this person. So I always encourage people: if you have to, if you have a confrontation with a client over a late policy, try as hard as you can to do everything either via email or text messaging because you do have a moment to not be emotional and not get caught up in the moment of your emotions. Um, That way you can keep it professional. That's the only thing I can say as far as scripting. I can't tell you a script. I can't give you what to say to those clients. Just maintain your professionalism. As long as they'll allow you to be professional. Right, and that is all the topics. It is time for our Pam of the Week before I let you guys go. And this is brought to you by an anonymous listener because I forgot to get her name. She says Two days ago, I was scheduled to have a 90 minute lift facial with a new client. We use the New Face microcurrent in this treatment. First thing new client says, to me in her consultation was that she thought the left side of her face was much higher than the right side and she had done some research on the new face device. I didn't think so. I didn't think I saw a difference, but it seemed like she might have had some facial dysmorphia or something going on there. She also told me that she had experienced a facial before back in San Diego, her hometown. First, when we got in the room, the table was too cold even though the warmer was at its highest setting, so I threw a blanket on her after doing a double cleanse i began her gentle exfoliation she said that it was burning when i was doing extractions she acted like i was punching her in the face i always am super gentle when it comes to these i thought it was weird how she first was really confident in the facial she signed up for and when i asked her if she was sure she had a facial before i could barely contain my reaction she told me that she had done sheet mask at home and put cucumbers on her eyes <laughs> Yeah, that's not a facial. Okay. Um, she goes on to say as I apply a cooling and hydrating gel mask that I use under the that I use with the microcurrent, she said that that was also burning. I apologize, I removed the mask and I put on another soothing product instead. We used the new face device for 5 minutes on the lowest setting and she acted like I put her in the electric chair. To say she was picky and difficult would be an understatement. But wait, there's more. Then I see her start clutching her chest and she has very labored breathing. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. She is grasping at the sheets and the steamer and goes into a full-blown panic attack. I sit her up. I get her some water. I try to calm her down. On the inside, I was definitely freaked out. That had never happened to me before. She kept asking me why she was having a panic attack and I was like, do I look like a psychiatrist? (laughs) After calming down a bit, I'm able to remove the rest of the mask and I do some dermal layering to get this crazy client out. After applying her moisturizer, another panic attack ensues. By this time, I end the treatment and am heading out of the room so she can gather her things and go home. I don't know if she was on drugs or something, but she was not right in her head. She said to me, I feel like you're really upset with me right now. And I was like, yeah, I am. But I didn't verbalize that. She basically thinks that the new face device caused her to have a panic attack. She asked if there are any long-term complications for using the device on its lowest setting for five minutes. She has been blacklisted from the spa. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Some people just... They're, they're not meant to have services. She's one of those people. All right, that is all the time I have for today. Thank you guys for still listening and leaving all those wonderful five-star reviews. I appreciate you so much. And as always, wishing you a Pam-free week. See you next show.